0: You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at bonecur.net That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R dot net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. more than a year out from our next city council election, and we already have over 25 candidates declaring their intention to run. It will be the first time that we're electing a whopping 12 candidates to the council, so there will be a lot of people to keep track of. So today on CityCast Portland, Willamette Week City Hall reporter Sophie Peel is here to make sense of all this craziness and to highlight a few of the people who are asking to represent you in your new voting district. It's Thursday, October 26th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. The election is more than a year away, but as a few weeks ago, I heard there's like already 25 candidates that have said that they're going to be running for city council. That's pretty insane, right? Like, How are we supposed to keep track of everyone?
1: That's that's a great question. I personally have a spreadsheet, um, but that's because it's my job to keep track of them, but I don't think most uh, you know, Portland voters are are going to be doing that, which is totally reasonable. I think there a couple things are going to really matter. I think on the voters pamphlet endorsements are going to really matter because mm. I don't think, you know, there there is a small subsection of Portlanders that are going to read about every single candidate and pay attention and do their own research. And then there's most voters who don't have the time to do that. And so I think they're going to look for endorsements, both by, you know, whether they're endorsed by the Portland Business Alliance or various nonprofits or uh, unions, for sure. uh, Newspapers, you know, us and the Oregonian and others that endorse. You know, I'm barely keeping track of them at this point. Um, so I'm I'm not sure. It's it's
0: very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna just be more. I'm assuming closer to the voting date, right? Like yeah, I think- or is there like a. No more
1: people can apply, you know? Yeah, so about 25, I think, to 30 candidates so far have basically told the city that I'm intending to run for this seat. So they've, you know, sort of put in a notice of intent, which means, hey, I'm going to run for this thing. But the official candidate filing window isn't until um, June 5th, and then it runs until August 27th. Mm. So we have many, many months. For people to jump into the race, and I will say it's been a, a really consistent sort of drip since the districts were drawn. Uh, and you know, I'm sure there will be sort of lulls, and I'm not sure what's going to determine those lulls. I doubt many people are going to be announcing over the holidays. I I would imagine though that quite a few people will announce, um, you know, early in the year or in the spring. So. I don't think we're I, I don't think this is like an early rush and that it's going to sort of subside. I think it's going to be fairly consistent.
0: Right. Well, since we can't really cover all 25 candidates running so far, You were kind enough to help us pick one for each new voting district to discuss. And I just want to say out loud, this is not an endorsement. We're just covering the candidates whose names have risen to the top because of like either prior city government involvement or one in particular that I noted, uh, TikTok popularity. So let's start off with District 1, which covers a pretty large part of East Portland. An area that, like, advocates say that has been underrepresented in our current form of government. So this is one of the areas that I'm most excited to see representation go to. You picked out Candace Avalos from The Running List. What's she all about?
1: Yeah, so um Candace, she is in I believe she's in her early thirties still. Um, but you know, she's a uh, fairly young woman of color. Um, but she has been extremely sort of civically engaged for I mean, certainly as long as I've been reporting, and I know prior to that too. She served on a, a number of City of Portland sort of advisory committees, so she serves on the Citizen Review Committee, which is sort of one of the police accountability committees at the city. Um, She also served on the Charter Review Commission, which obviously crafted the new form of government. And she's also currently the executive director of Verde, uh, which is a social justice and and climate nonprofit. They sort of do a a variety of work. Um, So, you know, she is she's a prominent Portlander and she's really gotten her name out there a lot. And I think she's seen as sort of one of the up and coming sort of progressive uh, Portlanders that I think a lot of people figured she would run. She did run, I believe it was in 2020 that she ran, um, and first city council. And she didn't mm-hmm. win, but um, I think she's coming back probably a little bit stronger. Uh, she's got a little bit more experience under her belt, and so I think she's she's certainly one of
0: the names that has sort of been floating around more than others. Gotcha. District one there's just going to be so many people running for that district because it's so large. (laughs) I just, it's a lot of people. It's, it's huge. And I will also say there was a lot of, you know, the
1: charter review commission when they crafted this new form of government, a lot of their um, sort of speaking points when they talked about, uh, you know, increased representation, increased diversity on Portland city council, they really focused on this example of East Portland, which has been, you know, really underrepresented on city council uh, you know, it's got the worst infrastructure in the city. And so that was, you know, really a big talking point for this advisory committee of look at what this new form of government could do for East Portland, this area that's been neglected for for decades. Um, and so I think that, it, you know, having that sort of be the focus of that uh, reform, I think also means that we might get a couple more candidates out there than we see in others. There's a little, it feels like there's a little bit more excitement out there maybe for mm-hmm. this form of government. Yeah,
0: well, let's move over to District Two, uh, which covers most of North and Northeast Portland, which is where actually half of the CityCast Portland team will be voting. Um, guess who? <laughs> Which one of the current candidates did you recognize from this list?
1: Yeah, I um, for this one, I picked Debbie Kitchen. Um, she is in her mid to late 60s, um, and she owns a pretty successful construction company, which she's owned for quite a few years. Um, and she is very much a businesswoman. You know, she's really linked in with the business community. She's the former chair of the Portland Business Alliance, um, now called the Portland Metro Chamber. And she also chaired the Central East Side Industrial Council, which is kind of a business oriented group on the east side. Um, you know, she's a businesswoman. And at the same time, I think she sort of breaks lockstep with some uh, uh, kind of policies that have aligned with the business community. I think she's, uh, you know, she's another person who served on the Charter Review Commission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while on that, she voted for the form of government, she was sort of on their campaign team. Um, so, you know, after they wrapped up this proposal, they, they went on the campaign train, essentially, and said, hey, here's our proposal, and they did their best to sell it. And she was, you know, a really sort of uh, practical but still very passionate voice on that campaign team. Um, so she's she's a really interesting one to me. You know, I think she's uh, she strikes me as a as a pretty independent thinker. Um, mm-hmm. And so she is very linked in with the business community. But I think she has fairly progressive uh, policies. Which not saying those two things are necessarily always in contradiction to each other, but sometimes they are.
0: <laughs> right. No, of course. It, it's interesting that uh, people who were part of the the new charter council. Are running. Do you think they have like an unfair advantage <laughs> because they know what's coming? Like they're just like, we helped form this new government and now I will rule it all.
1: Like, do you think? There, there's certainly been, in, in some circles, I think in Portland, uh, amongst maybe more moderate voters uh, who believe that there's a conflict of interest there. Oh. The city hasn't said anything about it. I mean, there's no policy that the people who served on this commission aren't able to run. But I think some people would argue that. It, you know, maybe those people got on the committee because they always planned to run. But I also think there might be a correlation, but it's not really a causation. I mean, I think a lot of the people who served on this commission, they've, just, they've served on a bunch of committees, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't new for them. And they may have been people that may have run for city council in the future anyways um but yeah it's it's sort of been an interesting dialogue around some people who really argue that they do have an unfair advantage and they crafted this thing and then you know had this plan to run for it um but again there's no you know they're not breaking any laws so you know kind of more power to them i guess
0: okay well let's take a quick break here and when we return let's talk about the district with the most declared candidates Well, let's talk about District 3, which covers a big chunk of Southeast and has the most declared candidates of any district in the city at this point. Uh, so who's sticking out to you there? Yeah, so one thing about this district that is really interesting, it is, it is
1: very much uh, a, a super progressive enclave when there was the race last fall between, uh, Renee Gonzalez and former commissioner Joanne Hardesty, you know, this district really swung for Joanne Hardesty. Mm -hmm. So you've got some super progressive candidates who have declared in this district. Um, so I focused on Robin Yee. Um, he's another young, really progressive candidate. He's in his early thirties. Uh, and he, up until just last month, he served as chief of staff to representative, um, con fam in East Portland, who's a very progressive member of the Oregon legislature. Mm -hmm. Um, and prior to that, you know, he worked as political director for APANO, which is a pretty well-known nonprofit in the Portland area. He worked as a political director for a couple other sort of um, think tank nonprofits. So he's also been, you know, really civically engaged for for a long time. I mean, I, w- I was just looking at his resume. And I mean, at, since college, that guy has just been everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. he's been so civically engaged. He's worked with a bunch of different nonprofits. Um he did just leave his position at Representative Fam's um, office, I think probably in preparation for his run. And I think it sounds like he's still working on sort of a contract basis for her, but sort of uh, slowly kind of like easing off of that role. Um, and he also served on the Charter Commission. So interesting. he and Candace Avalos and Debbie Kitchen, all three of those people um, served on the Charter Commission.
0: Right. Well... Since this is such a stacked district, I wanted to point out like one more candidate uh, who I learned from TikTok. Her name is Angelita Murillo. Have you heard of her? Yeah, yeah. We've written a little
1: bit about her. Um, She works in policy for kind of a small nonprofit called Hunger Free Oregon, um, but I think she's better known for her TikTok presence. Uh, I think she has over 20,000 followers on TikTok and she does sort of political commentary. So she looks at various articles that have been written, and then she sort of does uh, rundowns of those articles and sort of inserts her own commentary into them, too. Um, and so, so that's really interesting. I think this is the first TikTok, you know, quote unquote star that we've ever had run for Portland city council. She also did work for a short time in, um, Joanne Hardesty's office, I think as like a constituent service person. So she has worked inside the government, but I don't think that's been kind of the majority of her career. Um, and she's 27. So she's, she's also very young, uh, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. I don't think I can not tell you the last time I've seen so many candidates that were, you know, at thirty five or below. I mean, there's one. I think the youngest one running is twenty two. Just mm-hmm. sort of mind blowing. Um, so yeah, Angelita's going to be. That's. I think that's going to be a really interesting candidate. Um, and she's also, you know, she is feisty. Like she does not hold back on what she says. So um, it's it's going to be really interesting too to see how these candidates sort of like interact with each other. I think right now, at least on Twitter, which I know doesn't, you know, it's such a microcosm of, like, nothing, so I don't think it really means anything, but all the candidates right now are, like, really supportive of each other. You know, they're retweeting Mm -hmm. each other, they're tagging each other, you know, it's very amicable, Um, but I'm curious to see, uh, you know, the gloves are going to come off at some point because you still want to win, so I'm very curious to see when that sort of shifts a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how her, if any... Uh, shift will happen in your TikTok presence. Well, let's go to the final district. Number four covers the whole West Side, as well as uh, a good chunk of uh, Southeast around Selwood. What's one of the candidates you're watching there? Yeah. So one of the really early declarers was
1: a guy named Tony Morse. Um, He's currently the political director for Oregon Recovers, which is an addiction um, nonprofit that's actually got quite a bit of clout in Oregon. Um, they're sort of known for standing up against kind of the, the status quo a little bit. And they've, you know, they've kind of made some real ripples. Um, he's trained as a lawyer, but never really practices one. Um, you know, for the past couple of years, he's actually worked in real estate. Um, I think his wife is sort of the breadwinner of the family. And so he's, um, he's kind of backed off a little bit. Um, It's he's a really interesting guy. You know, he's he's he has a kind of a gentle demeanor. He's a little bit goofy. He's a little bit nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a very friendly guy. And I think it'll be really interesting to see sort of where politically he falls on the progressive slash moderate scale. I think he's probably a little bit closer to moderate. But right now, you know, in my discussions with these candidates, it's actually been really difficult to tell you know, I've had a hard time really distinguishing their policy ideas from each other. It all sort of is is the same, and I haven't really gotten a clear idea of where anyone really stands. So, um, you know, we're we're looking personally. I'm looking for a lot more clarity on what these candidates would actually do in office because right now it's it's just not clear.
0: Yeah, you know, with so many candidates running uh, and a full year to go. What should voters be looking out for as the race progresses? Like, when should I start caring, Sophie, is what I want to know.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, man, I'm not sure when you should start caring. I mean, I think I think springtime. Springtime. <laughs> or maybe even actually... summer. I do not think you should worry about it yet. I really don't. I think you probably have bigger fish to fry. I think, you know, there are a couple things that that we look for. Because, you know, Willamette Week endorses every mm-hmm. year. And there are some very kind of basic things that we look for when we're looking at candidates. One is that they understand how the city works. You know, sometimes we'll have a candidate in there and we'll ask them what the budget of the city is and they they have no clue. I mean, it could be, you know, $3 million or it could be $10 billion. And they're just, you know, they clearly haven't done their research and they have not been invested civically in the city. So we do look for sort of a base Knowledge of how this city works, and also mm-hmm. like what their what they think their role would be. you know, in past years when we had the commission form of government, obviously we still do for another year and a half, but you know we also looked for management skills because a big mm-hmm. part of being a city council person was managing people and managing bureaus um now, I don't think we're really going to be looking for that because they don't really need to manage anything other than one or two staffers. They need to have policy ideas and they need to be able to. You know, negotiate with their colleagues to get policies passed. And so I think we're going to be looking for sort of a different set of skills, some, some different set of skills than we've looked for in the past. Yeah, but I think, you know, again, we, I think what we get really frustrated with, with a lot of candidates. It's just when they talk about things in really broad strokes, when they say Mm -hmm. things like, you know, it's it's easy to throw stones from the outside. City council hasn't prioritized bike infrastructure enough. They shouldn't have allowed Zenith in. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they should figure out how to backfill the $32 million PBOT budget shortfall. But you know, those are facts that like everyone agrees on. No one thinks that we Mm -hmm. shouldn't have bike infrastructure. No one thinks that you know, however many people are dying from traffic deaths, should die from traffic deaths. Right. So, so we look for sort of discretion on what you care about and what you would do about it, because so often we just sort of get people on their stumps talking about what their beliefs are that pretty much everyone would agree with, and for us that's not a very convincing argument.
0: That's a really good uh, piece of guidance. For just voting in general. (laughs) Are they saying stuff that you're just like, oh, I me too. And it's like, great, but then what? Like, how are they gonna get there? You know, I it makes so much sense, but you saying it out loud, like it made me really just proud. Sophie, I was really proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. Thanks, Claudia. That's so nice. (laughs) Well, Sophie, thank you so much for walking us through, you know, the candidates from each district that kind of popped out at you. Um, I'm looking forward to more conversations about this as the months go by. And good luck with coverage of all of the candidates that are going to be running.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'll be back. There's lots to cover.
0: And now for your microdose of news. Some events coming up this weekend. This Friday, Donny Vegas on Alberta Street is hosting its monthly ska and reggae night. That's where the DJs only spin old school selections on vinyl. There's no cover and there's plenty of hot dogs. Also, this Friday and Saturday, the Freaky Deaky Electronic Music Festival is coming to the Portland Expo Center. Passes for both days are available. Costumes are encouraged. Honestly, this might be my biggest nightmare, but the people in the pic seem to be having fun. And the largest vegan food festival in the Pacific Northwest is back. The Halloween vegan night market is happening on the Red on Southeast Salmon Street from 3 to 10 p.m. this Saturday. There will be trick-or-treating, raffles, face painting, costume contests, and over 100 vendors of delicious vegan food. This event is rated G for the entire family. And if you're looking for more stuff to do with kids, Scrap on Southwest Alder is hosting a spectacular craft afternoon this Sunday from two to four p.m. You can reserve seats for ten bucks beforehand, or pay twelve with a door. Though there is a sliding scale available. You can work on Halloween decorations or your costume with materials provided. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter. Hey Portland, we'll throw a link to everything I mentioned in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you with Slims.